Good evening, hello and welcome. You're listening to People Powered Radio 2XX FM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT and I'm Sophie Singh. Tonight we speak to singer-songwriter Malena Chifley, who, along with her partner Jim Horvath, lost their home when on New Year's Eve a ferocious bushfire swept through Malakuta, taking with it up to 100 houses. The impact of the summer bushfires were catastrophic. 33 people died, thousands of homes were destroyed and an estimated 1 billion animals died. Large areas of the eastern seaboard, including Canberra, were smothered in smoke. There were a number of days where Canberra had the worst air quality in the world and I remember one particular day looking at the Air Quality Index website and remember readings over 200 indicate an unhealthy level of pollution. On that particular day, Canberra's index reading was close to 5,000. Last week, the Royal Commission into the bushfires kicked off and thousands of people will be following the investigation with high hopes. Hopes that this commission won't simply rehash the findings of past inquiries, but actually will have the courage to push for the fundamental steps to reduce the risk of having repeat catastrophes in the years to come. Melena Chifley is one half of the musical duo with her partner Jim Horvath, who perform as The Awesome. And I spoke with Melena at her house. I was welcomed by Melena and Jim's beautiful rainbow lorikeet, Ollie, as he perched on my shoulder and nestled my hair. I couldn't stop laughing. As you'll hear, as Malena and I spoke, we were treated with the chatter of birds as our background soundtrack. Malena, thanks very much for speaking to Subject ACT. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been four months or so since the bushfires in Mallacoota. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh, well, that's a big question. We've been through a roller coaster of uh, emotions and logistical things, actually since we watched our home burn down on New Year's Day on national television. Uh, We were in Brisbane at the time. The house actually burnt down on New Year's Eve and a friend rang us and said, simply, your house has burnt down, I'm really sorry, and he hung up. And we just stood there in, uh, in stunned silence. And in the morning we turned on the ABC News and there was actual footage of our house burning down. And that's what ushered in our new year for us. So um, that was very strange. And do you remember at the time watching that, what were you feeling? What was oh, look, the emotion? it's just so surreal. You, you know, even though we knew that there was drought and there, that Malakuta was remote, surrounded by forest, and there's a possibility of fire, you never think your house is going to burn down. And it's just so surreal. If, if you can imagine any of you listeners out there driving home this afternoon or going to the shops and coming back home, and just being confronted with rubble and ash, how that would make you feel. And that's basically what it's like. It's just very surreal. Then on top of that, we had um, health issues with my partner, Jim. He had a stroke. He was in intensive care. And then, of course, we had COVID, which came along. And we're musicians. We couldn't play. And I wanted to ask you about that because the pandemic came up so quickly following the fires. People really haven't had a sense to even come to grips, really, with no, with the loss right. associated with the fires. Yeah, so I, my feeling is that society tends to be focusing on the virus and COVID and, and keeping each other safe and keeping relatives safe, and I totally understand that. But because that is a pressing issue, it sort of feels a bit like the bushfire victims have been um, overlooked 
and forgotten about. That may not be true. It's just that the focus is so much on COVID that um, the bushfire uh, victims who've, you know, some of them have lost their families, some of them have lost their homes. And some are still living in tents. Some are still living in tents. And, you know, people are still suffering now at this very moment as we speak. And and that seems to have been a bit overlooked or a bit forgotten. So I'm hoping that comes back to that. My partner, Jim, had a 40-acre property with a shack and personal belongings just out of Eden in a region called Kaya. And we got a phone call yesterday, only yesterday, to let us know that all of that has burnt down as well. None of that was insured. So, so how come it's, it's just, taken that long for, for you? Uh, well, we haven't been able to no, be there no. because it's quite remote. And after Malakuta burnt down, we, we were in Brisbane. Then we resettled in Canberra, which is where we are now. So we just haven't been able to get there. And we just had no idea. You know, we knew there might have been fires lurking around that area. But we just had no idea and we got confirmation of that yesterday and it's just a double whammy. It's just reopens the wounds, really. You know, my partner Jim's lost all his personal belongings. I had things stored there, boxes of diaries, all my guitar music, whole library of books, CDs, you know, that sort of thing. So the losses just go on and people are still suffering. Melinda, can we take a step back? So, I don't know Malakuta. You know, just doing a, a quick bit of research, coastal town, East Gippsland in Victoria. Yeah. It's um, a coastal town. It's halfway between Sydney and Melbourne on the Princess Highway. So it's about 530 kilometres in either direction. And bit of wild country. Yeah, you've got to turn off the highway, go down a snaking road for about 23k. It's surrounded by Crowajingalong National Park. It's listed as a remote area in Australia, number seven. So they go from one to seven right. and Malakut is about as remote as you can get. It's known for its abalone diving industry. But essentially, it's a, a biosphere region surrounded by a national park and just stops everyone in their tracks with, with the beauty of it yeah. and the wildlife. So which... describe to me in terms of sort of how it stimulates your senses. When you go to Malakuta, what do you hear? What are you seeing? What are you smelling? Are you smelling the sea? Yes. When you go to Malakuta, there's water all around you. There's the, the vast inlet of lake and then there's vast pristine beaches the, the waves are quite wild, you know, you hear the ocean crashing, you smell the salt in the air, and the birds, you hear a, a whole symphony of different birds, you hear rosellas, magpies, kookaburras, black cockatoos, white cockatoos, pelicans, there are koalas out the front in your garden, but there's kangaroos crossing the road, it, it is a wildlife haven, and one of the things that I found devastating when we went back there in February to have a look was how quiet it was, apart from the ocean crashing. There was an absence of wildlife and it just broke my heart. I had to leave that night. I couldn't stay there. And the community, is it a diverse community? The community, there's a population of around 1,200. Round about half at least of that population is over the age of 60. So there's a lot of retired people living there, elderly people. So they were quite strict with their lockdown because they wanted to protect the elderly there during the COVID pandemic. Generally speaking, it's it's not a hugely diverse or cosmopolitan. It's really a country town, yeah, sure. you know, but there is a huge assortment of artists, poets and musicians. It's a very artistic community and a little bit alternative. You know, there used to be a lot of music festivals in the 80s and people built mud brick houses. It's got that kind of flavour as well. 
Jumping back to New Year's Eve, when you left Mallacoota, what was the situation with the fires? Uh, well, the CFA, the Rural Fire Service of Victoria, had come to give a little talk and said, look, if the fire hits Mallacoota, it'll come very fast, probably from the direction of Can River, which is an hour south of Mallacoota. They said that these fires this year had been unprecedented, the grass was tinder dry, and to watch out and be very careful, make sure you hose down your gutters. And if you're there in the fire, you know, shelter indoors from the radiant heat, make sure you're wearing woolen clothing. You know, they went through all of that. But you never think your house is going to burn down. So we took folders of, you know, legal documents and things like that. But I never thought to take all my guitar compositions. You know, they all burnt in a flash. You just never think your house is going to burn down. Off we went to Brisbane. A few days later, everything was gone. But I had been looking at the fires near me app and I could see that there were a lot of fires around there. And then I got a message on my phone, an automated message saying, it's too late to leave Malakuta, take shelter. And I thought, oh my God, here we go. And then a few hours later, my friend rang and said, your house is burnt down. And those images of Malakuta with that expression, which I've heard now on numerous occasions, um, day turned to night. Yes. And the orange mm. blackness. I mean, that apocalyptic scene. That's right. How do you think that's changed the psyche of people, I mean, certainly people who uh, were in the town or on the coast at the time, but more broadly uh, in Australia around summer. I think there's been a loss of that sense of carefree attitude. I think so. I mean, it's, it's certainly going to make us all a lot more cautious. So a lot of people will be suffering post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder. And when we get more hot summers, which we will, people will start to have a meltdown when they smell smoke or if there's a fire 100 kilometres away, they'll go into a panic. So, you know, that has to have an effect on on the psyche of a whole nation. You know, that whole eastern seaboard was up in flames, so that's got to have a massive effect. And the smoke in Canberra, people living on the south side are seeing the fires at Namadji. Yeah. People who were around in 2003, I think that would have had a really... Absolutely. Well, I was around in 2003 in Canberra. I lived in Canberra in near Tuggeranong. And, you know, I, I could hear the sound of what sounded like a jet engine roaring towards yeah. my place and embers the size of bricks, you know, flying around the garden. It was quite terrifying and we had to leave. And so, of course, you know, all of this brought that up again. And when we came back from Brisbane and relocated in Canberra, we couldn't go back to Malacoota because it was closed off and we didn't have a home. So we had to rent in Canberra. The day we arrived in Canberra, there were flames coming off Namaji, you know, off the Brindabellas. And our house in Holt, there was smoke and flames sort of you could see over the paddocks. And I thought, oh, my God, not again. I can't have another house go up in flames. Lady, you mentioned that uh, your musical compositions were all lost. This summer actually was the first time that we packed stuff in the car, had stuff by the back door ready to go. Thinking back on what you've lost, what hurts most? Uh, Well, essentially for me, it's the wildlife. I'm mourning the loss of our possums, our our koala, Aristotle, that used to live out the front, our pet parrots. We had um, two Alexandrines and a Rosella and some red-rumped parrots. They were all rescue birds and they all perished in the flames. You know, it's very hard to think about that. Other than that, I had um, a handmade concert guitar that, that had its own life and soul and I've been very kindly donated other instruments, but... It's sort of a bit like a consolation prize. I appreciate people's kindness, but you can't replace certain things. 
and certainly my compositions, handwritten, meticulously, classical guitar compositions, there's no way I can ever replace them. I kick myself for not taking them, for not thinking of it, but it's obviously too late. But hindsight's, you know, not particularly useful in this regard. Melana, can I ask, was your house uh, in Malacuta insured? Yes, it was. So how has your dealing with the insurance company been? Well, that's been really smooth, but I have to say, so that people can understand what we were going through... First of all, my head was a mess and I was in no way able to deal with insurance companies, fill out paperwork. It's hard enough when you've lost everything. It's a shock. It's a trauma. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You can't even decide whether you want a tea or a coffee, let alone whether you're going to rebuild. And people kept saying, are you going to rebuild? Do you have insurance? And I I just found it. It made me really angry at the time. I was very irritable about that. But I do understand that it was out of concern that people were asking my son had handled all of that for us which was just an absolute blessing because there was no way I could do it and so it it did turn out to be relatively smooth what was difficult was the rental process traipsing around with 50 other people in houses all over Canberra getting rejections wondering where we were going to live holed up in a motel room and it made me think of course of the refugees holed up in their motel rooms indefinitely you know, having been through traumas far worse than we have and being treated like criminals. Yes. If you've just tuned in, the program is Subject ACT on your people-powered radio, 2XX FM 98.3. Tonight, we're in conversation with Melena Chifferley. Melena is a Canberra-based singer-songwriter and tonight she's sharing her experiences that are ongoing after her home burnt down in Malakuta in the bushfires on New Year's Eve. Melena, the Royal Commission into the bushfires started this week um, looking at how future catastrophes could be prevented and also how communities affected can be helped to recover. What do you hope will come out of the, the Royal Commission? Well, I hope that the the government is held accountable and that action on climate change is taken a lot more seriously and that funding that was provided by the community is put to proper use and that there is appropriate mental health counselling available for bushfire victims and that everybody in society realise that that this is still an issue that needs to be dealt with and that will take probably a few years, if not years, to recover from this. Do you feel that some of those services like mental health services aren't getting to the people that need it? Yes, I think that the whole focus has shifted to COVID, which is sort of understandable, but it's not like it was a minor incident. That was a national disaster and and people need to remember that this is still having repercussions and serious ones. Elena, you're a poet, a songwriter, a singer. How has your art helped you to find a safe space? I'd be lost without it. I think it's the way I unravel emotionally, you know, through trauma or shock. And one of the first things I did was put pen to paper and and wrote a poem the day after the house burnt down. And it just helps me to process. And I've always written songs to express how I'm feeling. It's just the way I am. It's just me. And I've also been, during this lockdown time in Canberra, been writing a book which I've just completed. It's called Malakuta Time and it's about to be published. And it contains reflections on the whole journey that I've been through personally against the national backdrop of what's been going on and global as well. Uh, it contains poetry, song lyrics, photos. It's sort of a bit of a mosaic. It's, it's a whole fusion of different arts. 
and uh, it's been pretty much my saving grace emotionally to be able to get through this, being able to put pen to paper and write it all out. That will be published in the next few weeks and there'll be a book launch, so hopefully I can come and talk to you about that. and I'd love that. Would you read your poem, uh, you know, the poem that you wrote? Sure, I'd love to. It's just about the, the beauty and the joy of living in Malakuta and I wrote it on New Year's Day after we watched our house burn down on television and it's called Possum Requiem, Ode to Malakuta. The phone rang. He told us we had lost our home. I've been for a drive, I'm still alive. My home is gone and so is yours. Engulfed in flames on New Year's Eve, just too hard to believe. How do I say goodbye to our ancient tree that held so many birds safe in its arms? How do I say goodbye to a koala, our koala, Aristotle, sheltered in its crook, the birds, our birds. A glimpse of golden light in the western sky, and then gelato colours, softest pinks and blues, Malakuta hues. Fading to dark, revealing glittering stars above Malakuta waves. On the cool night balcony, the salt air wrapping its gentle breezes around us and caressing our souls. How do I say goodbye to a nighttime visit from our possum friend who gave us possum hugs? Is he alive? Did he survive? My heart beats in time with this forest and this sea. How can it be that I must say goodbye to this paradise? I can always buy a new toaster, a kettle, a cup, a plate, but it's too late, too late to sit together on our old blue couch on our veranda and watch the rainbow lorikeets frolic, or Mrs Magpie sing for her supper, or play guitar in the morning sun and music with friends on a full moon night. Wherever I may roam, I may create a new home, but this sense of place has gone. This was our Malakuta magic. How tragic. This is beautiful. It's so visual. You paint the picture not just of the beauty of Malakuta, um, and the belonging, but the grief. And that, that's just beautiful. Oh, well, I hope it connects with others. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the main thing. Yeah. In writing the book, was it a cathartic experience? Did it bring out perhaps emotions or insights that you didn't expect? Yes, it was very cathartic and it just poured out of me. There were times when I was writing it where I felt angry and that was unexpected. I didn't expect to feel angry. I expected to feel grief and sadness and there were times where I burst into tears. There were times where I felt happy and joyful remembering things. So it brought out a lot of different emotions in me and it helped me to make sense of I can't say I've fully recovered or made full sense, but it's helped me towards the journey towards recovery. It's helped me to make sense of what's gone on. And uh, it's really the first step towards healing. And I really hope that that is what that book achieves for others. I'd like to get that out to the fire-ravaged communities along the East Coast and hope that it would provide solace and connection for people who have lost their homes or families in the bushfires and if that is achieved then my mission will have been accomplished. You mentioned you've 
written a song about home and the idea of home. Yes. Would you be willing to play sure. that? Sure, I'll just have to get my guitar. Yeah, this is okay. totally live. Oh, the beauty of radio. <laughs> and in the background, the birds are singing, um, which is just a beautiful background. So I have a song that I wrote before the fires about Malakuta, but I might do this other one, which I wrote last week. And, you know, even though I'm living in a beautiful house in Canberra, I still kind of feel homeless because this is just temporary and we don't really know what we're doing yet. So it's all about that, really. The unknown, the uncertainty, coupled with the uncertainty of this virus and everything. So... such a beautiful voice oh, <laughs> well you. it's true <laughs> Melena thank you so much for speaking to Subject AC it's really thank been you. a pleasure thank, thank you. you that was Melena Chifley talking about losing her home in the summer bushfires as her town of Malakuta was engulfed on New Year's Eve I look forward to speaking to Melena on Subject ACT when her book Malakuta Time is published and available <laughs> <laughs> 